Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning i'm one of your hosts eric cox here with the lovely and talented I'm Leslie Haywood, and thank you so much for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And make sure to continue the fun beyond Saturday morning. Follow us on Facebook at Beyond the Business or talk to us on Twitter at BTBCHS. So how excited are you for Christmas? It's not just any Saturday morning, is Yay! it? How about that? A couple days away? A couple days away. I know. And your kids are at such an amazing age. I bet you mine are 14 and 16. So, you know, a little bit of the magic is gone. A little bit. But, oh. So guess what I'm going to do today? What are you doing today? And this is no joke. I'm going to start my Christmas shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I believe <laughs> I do this it. every year. It's wonderful. And and it always turns out okay? It always works. Knock on wood. It always works out. All right. So well, it always works out. I can't wait till next week to hear how it happens. So went. I would like to give a couple of special shout outs this morning. Number yes. one, I'd like to give a shout out to my daughter, Annabelle, whose mm. birthday is tomorrow. Wow. Yes. How crazy is that? I know. And also to my dad, who went through a little surgery this week. Praying for you, Dad, and hope all is well. Awesome. Awesome. So, awesome. Well, uh, we're getting ready for another great show today. Yes. Our last two uh, Saturdays in the year. Uh, we are very fortunate to have a great guest. I know you will enjoy this, so get a good cup of coffee ready for the story we have. But before we dive into today's show, Leslie, we had an awesome show last week with Kim Powell. Uh, Kim is the owner and regional developer of Woodhouse Day Spas in the Southeast and her and her husband also own uh, flooring manufacturing companies up in Ohio. And they're about to open a jerky outlet downtown. And I think that that was our talk about franchises was something that really struck me. And, you know, being an uh, an entrepreneur comes in different shapes and sizes. And um, I started a company from the ground up and didn't really realize how hard that would be. And she reiterated that you can be an entrepreneur and really have the support and a roadmap on how to do something. And she's done that several times now with the jerky outlet that she's doing and then with the, with the spa. And it's not even really that necessary for you to know the particular industry of the franchise. You're running a business. Yeah, you're running a business. So um, I thought that that was really inspiring, especially to people who want to be entrepreneurs but maybe don't want to start something from the ground up whenever i hear a story about the franchise model i think that that is really the answer for a lot of people well, she was great i love her quote being scrappy helps you be a better entrepreneur and yes. that's something we all can attest to and really her story of uh you know when they came to charleston and she bought the woodhouse spa franchises for the southeast at a time they were selling the business up in ohio and then it didn't actually go through and the right. quagmire put them in uh, as a lot of our entrepreneurs talk about you know, moments of adversity, how to overcome them, how to persevere. Uh, in case you missed that show or any of our other shows from the last four years, simply go to our website at coastalwm.com, click on the radio icon, and I promise you, you will hear uh, some great stories of entrepreneurship. Couldn't think of a better thing to do 
on the Saturday before Christmas than to binge listen to Beyond the Business. That's right. People, People you know, know, stories you don't. don't. Speaking of which, <laughs> turn our attention to our guest today. Very special guest, as you all know, year in, we like to bring a, a message that resonates not only about leadership, but also in the spirit of the holiday. And today yes. we have Pastor Buster Brown, who is the senior pastor from East Cooper Baptist Church in the studio. Uh, Buster, first of all, thank you for being here. Good to be here. Thanks for asking me. We're excited to have you. Uh, I have a little insight because I, I've been around uh, you and uh, East Cooper for, gosh, since 1997. Wow. Um, Buster also married Lee and I, and so he probably has all kinds of good scoop he could share this morning. We're not going to let him do that. Uh, We're here to hear about him, and so we're excited to uh, certainly hear about uh, everything that's going on in the world and the life of East Cooper. Um, But before we do, Leslie? Let's take it way back. I want to learn, we all want to learn a little bit more about you and your, the early years and your upbringing. So where were you born? I was born in uh, the greater Winston-Salem, North Carolina area. Grew up in a small town called Yadkinville, population 1,200. Wow, small town. Small town. And brothers or sisters? I have one brother who's two years younger and an incredibly fine man. Yeah. And uh, what were your parents doing at the time when, when my, you were my, little? I was little. My mom had numerous jobs from World Book Encyclopedia to Avon to... Uh, anything you can think of. My dad. That helped. sounds entrepreneurial. Sounds very entrepreneurial. Yes. My dad was a uh, part of a family business called Brown's Department Store that did carpeting and sold furniture. And was this your all's? Or did yeah. it just happen to be? It was your it store. Was okay. family's family's all right. Yeah. Store, so absolutely. Yeah. Entrepreneurship running through uh, the bloodstream there. So uh, at a young age, uh, we all have these visions of what we want to be when we grow up. Was yours to be a pastor, or did you have no. some other my, my vision was to be a professional athlete, like a young boy. <laughs> uh, what was and, your sport? <laughs> uh, football or basketball. I was, uh, whoever paid the most. I was going to be choosy. Uh, that dream crashed and burned very quickly, but it was a dream when I was a young boy. Yeah. And, and who was your favorite athlete growing up? My favorite athlete growing up would have been a guy named Sonny Jurgensen or Norm Snead. Both of them played quarterback, and both of them played in the ACC. Uh, or, you know, I, I really liked Wilt Chamberlain. So th- those were my, were my guys. Wilt the still, yeah. <laughs> and growing up, what kind of student were you? Uh, lazy. Lazy. Lazy, yeah. Especially in high school because I played sports. But, I, you know, we had a wonderful school system and great mentors and people that knew me well, well, much more than I wanted them to know me and could tell my parents exactly what I had done that day. So that's part of the uh, – trauma of growing up in a small town people know what you do before you did it so that's what happened when i was growing up and you broke free from that small town and made the decision actually to come to charleston at that time yeah and we and was how old were you when you came to charleston 18 i came to the citadel uh, i came here to go to school and the citadel was a great experience and i was citadel class of 1976 and I have to ask the choice to go to uh, you know, a military school, school of a great discipline, being that you just said, hey, I was kind of a, a lazy student. Mm-hmm. What was the reasoning behind that? Well, the truth is I was offered a, a Navy Marine scholarship, and they gave me a laundry list of schools all across the nation that I could apply to. And I decided I'd like to go to a military school. So I I said the Citadel's military school is in Charleston. So that's how I ended up here. And so what was your thought, um, what specifically, when you went to the Citadel, what were you thinking that you were going to do after? I was going to be a Marine Corps officer at that time, and uh, so that was my scholarship. And I was a history major and and uh, walk on for the football team my freshman year, so I did a lot that first year. 
And did you have a vision at that point? You know, when you grew up, here's what you're going to be. Because I know uh, it wasn't until you were at the Citadel that yeah. really God came into your that's life. Right, that's correct. I, I just had a deep, you know, high regard for the military, and thought it would be uh, an honorable place to serve. And so that's that's why I went. Well, on that note, by the way, I would like to give a shout out to my nephew as well, who just got out of boot camp yesterday. So oh. great. Uh, yeah, how about that? Yeah. Which, which branch? Uh, Army. Great. Yeah, so I'm getting to see him later today. I'll find out how he's doing. <laughs> That's awesome. And so what happened while you were in college? Because yeah. I don't think you were in the Marines. No, I was not. I so. Was, uh, <laughs> so my, my freshman year, I had a very good friend that kept inviting me to a Bible study, and I went to the Bible study, and I had um, an understanding of who Christ was at that time, that he was God in the flesh, who died on the cross for my sins, and I got real involved in the ministry, and so there was a uh, the option to drop your scholarship before your junior year. And I did that because I thought the Lord was calling me to be in vocational ministry. And so I got out of that commitment and finished up at the Citadel. And so you uh, obviously at that point knew that that was the path you were going to go. Yeah. Um, and from there, I believe you went on to, if I'm correct, um, Southern. Yeah, no, I, no, from there I went to Singapore. Singapore, okay. Yeah, I went to Singapore for two years uh, where I coached basketball and did youth work. And I was in Singapore for two years. I'd never been really been out of the country. Had never been out of the country. I'd never really flown, and I flew to Singapore. That's quite a first flight. That was quite a first flight. <laughs> and uh, back in the days when half the plane was smoked and half was non-smoked. Yes. That's right. When you're on the air, an airplane for 15 hours, you, you really do get exposed. Anyway, so I went to Singapore, coached basketball, had a wonderful experience, and after that I came back to seminary in Texas. Now, what was your purpose in going to Singapore, the, was, the original yeah, reason I was going, for going? I was, there's a two-year program with Southern Baptist called the Journeyman Program, and I went there, and I was working with youth, and I asked me to coach boys and girls basketball at an international school, and I did that, and um and just had, had a wonderful experience traveling and trying to understand another culture and understanding myself in light of another culture. And so that was that's what I did for two years. So this would be a good um, question. And we hear this a lot from our entrepreneurs that come through this show that have international experience. I mean, you come from Yatkinville, North Carolina. Here right. you are a couple of years later in Singapore. Right. Um, talk about maybe the impact of that as you went through the rest of your life, that yeah. seeing what you know, a different segment of life is like. Well, Eric, there's a book by a guy named uh, Hugh Hewitt on lessons to give to young people. And one thing he says that if he could draw a roadmap for a young person, he would ask them to live in an international city for one or two years. And, and I agree with that. I think travel is incred- incredibly humbling. It broadens your perspective. Uh, so that's what happened to me. I, I lived in an international city with – um, in a very minority position as not many, you know, Americans living in Singapore. But it helped me try to understand the, the, the Muslim mindset, the Hindu mindset, the Chinese mindset, uh, and to be exposed to different people. And, and it's really a, a great experience. Did you ever have a moment while you were there of, you know, wondering what the heck am I doing here? Or um, did it all 
kind of work out fairly smooth. Well, I, I really enjoyed it, but there, there's a lot of loneliness. You know, that was interesting. Back, this is 76 to 78. I called home, called home twice in two years because yeah, there was, oh. it cost $7.36 a minute <laughs> right. to make a phone call. Right. And so I, my, my parents called me once to tell me my grandfather passed away and once for Christmas. But beyond that, in two years, you didn't communicate. Now, you know, my son was in China for two years and we had uh, FaceTime every day, uh, right? <laughs> at least three times a week for an hour. So it's like he was living with us. In fact, when he came home and lived with us for about six months, we spoke to him less than we did when he was in China. So uh, it, it was it was a, a great experience. I met a lot of wonderful people. Met my wife there, so I'm glad I in went. In Singapore, you met your them. wife? Yeah, I met my wife in Singapore. And uh, her dad was living there, her mom. They were working for uh, Texas Instruments. And so I met her, and we came back to the U.S. and got married two years after we Return to the U.S. And by the way, what was the name of that book by Hugh Hewitt? Do you remember by chance? I do not. So it's Hugh Hewitt. Hugh Hewitt. And Hewitt. it's about travel. It's about lessons at, to, to young people, tw- 10 or 12 lessons. And uh, that's just one of the, the markers. And I remember that. And I've always thought, told young people, if you can, you know, travel. Yes. You know, the bridges have a gap year sometimes, usually between high school and mm-hmm. college. Right. I, I wish our kids, uh, kids, our young people could have a gap year maybe after college. I agree. And just travel and Meet people yeah. and and not not go to one city every three days, but stay somewhere for several months and try to get to know the people. I think that would be an incredible experience. So to the, even now we get to travel a good bit. We go to, and it's always encouraging and mind expanding and humbling. It's humbling to be from a, a country of incredible prosperity and mm-hmm. promise when you go to places where like I'll, like I'll be going to Tunisia in a couple of weeks, few weeks. And the unemployment rate among men in Tunisia is around 62%. Wow. So it's just, so there's a, and that's one of the most progressive countries in that area. So it's it's just, um, uh, you, you can see how th- there's a sense of hopelessness there economically in another area's way as well. Yeah. Now, after your, after your two years in Singapore, mm-hmm. and what brought you back, and where did yeah. you go, and your wife came with you? <laughs> she Well, she came back to the U.S. I... I came back and went deep into the heart of Texas and went to seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. While well, I was at seminary for four years. And while I was there, I worked with college students at Texas Women's University in North Texas State, now the University of North Texas. So I was at seminary in Fort Worth for four years. And so we always have these moments in life where you sort of look back and you think about um, those who have impacted you along the way. And yeah. so at that moment in your life, uh, here you are in Texas, if you were to look back and say, who really helped shape and form yeah. who you had become at that point? Who would you point to at that stage? Well, just a couple of names. One was my football coach in high school who was an incredibly uh, disciplined and uh, tough guy. He was uh, had been raised an orphan. In fact, he lost his arm as a, young man, as a young man because he stuck it in a washing machine that was twisted off. <gasps> and he was, uh, he was uh, uh, just a very consistent, uh, disciplined man. And then in college... There was an Air Force officer named Dale Otterman who had me into his home, he and his wife, and, and they fed me. The best way to get into the heart of a single man is to feed him. <laughs> and so they fed me repeatedly and uh, cared for me. And another man named Tom, Tom Katosh, who was on Navigator's staff. And then in Singapore, a man named Bob Wakefield was very instrumental. I lived with Bob the first 10 months I lived in Singapore, he and his wife. And he just was a very gracious, no-nonsense guy from Missouri who um, cared for me. So those are some of the people that impacted me up to this point in my life as I went to seminary. 
And then when you were deep in the heart of Texas, what did you think that you were going to do from there? What I, really, well, I really didn't know. I knew I wanted to go into ministry, uh-huh. uh, Leslie, but I um, eventually decided I really wanted to be a pastor who preached. Uh-huh. So that limited my options because I'd never been a pastor. I'd been a youth worker and college worker. So uh, I kind of decided on that in my last two years while I was in my four-year program. So that's... And was there anything that made you decide that preaching was your thing? I just enjoyed uh, studying, enjoyed uh, communicating, uh, and I was very hopeful that preaching might be my thing. I really hadn't done it, so I was a uh, untested uh, model, to say the least. Public speaking is terrifying. Most people yeah, they might say, shy away I, from that. I've read that. people say that's either that or snakes are the most terrifying things for America. <laughs> I think, right. I think now clowns is getting up the list. <laughs> right. movies, so. I know. Yeah. Thanks yeah. to Stephen King, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, talk about the first moment you actually uh, had that opportunity to preach in front of a group of people. Mm. Well, I had spoken in various contexts uh, in Singapore, and I enjoyed it. It was something that energized me and refreshed me and kind of fueled me. So I said, you know, this is a pretty cool thing, and if I could do this, and people could put up with me, then this would be a good thing to do. I was so, going to ask, was that because none of them spoke English and didn't understand what you yeah, were saying yeah, at the no, time? No, <laughs> hey, this is great. I know. No, unfortunately, unfortunately <laughs> Singapore was an English colony, and I didn't have to learn Mandarin or Malay to communicate. So everybody spoke English. All right. Now, I, I regret that. In a, to a way, because I'm still in, not even close to bilingual, except I can say, uh, how are you doing? Where's the nearest restaurant? Where's the bathroom? In 10 languages. But... Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that it, it was in Singapore that I, I first started doing that. Yeah, consistently. And the draw, obviously, uh, of and passion for wanting to pursue that led you back to the states. Correct. Um, what was your uh, was East Cooper Baptist your first? East Cooper Baptist um, is the only church that I've ever pastored. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if I uh, my research uh, bodes correctly, uh, it was somewhere right around uh, May twenty third, nineteen eighty two. Yes, that's that's dead on the money. to the day right the there day. on Whipple Road, if I'm correct. You're you right. spoke to a group of about one hundred and twenty eight people, or or uh, there are about uh, probably less than that. But that, anyway, that <laughs> sounded good, right? Sounded good, yeah. So I don't know if you remember that day fairly well, but this is a, a moment like we talk about with our entrepreneurs, right, where they left corporate America or whatever right. it was to start their company. It's that first day. Right. What was that first day like for you? Well, in, in our context, you know, it was called what do you call it, a trial sermon. I'd gone to meet a committee and I preached twice on that Sunday and then they voted whether or not they wanted to extend the call for me to be the pastor that night. Wow. So it was uh, wow. terrifying. Yes. And. Um, so that, that, that's what happened, though. I, I remember it very well, uh, exactly the day and what I preached on. So it was uh, it, it was a great event. My wife at that time was I was twenty eight and she was twenty two. We were now. How did young. you get from Texas though to Whipple Road? What well, brought you there? Well, what happens, Leslie? You send out some resumes, uh-huh. and uh, a, a friend who was going to that church who knew my parents gave the committee my resume, and uh, they decided to take a chance on a young seminarian. And uh, that I, I went there for a trial sermon. Yeah, and you know, for those that don't know, I mean, East Cooper Baptist Church has become a very large church, obviously in a booming economy here in Charleston. Yes. Um, but back at that time, this was again the early '80s. Charleston wasn't like that. No. Nope. Um, talk what it was uh, a bit about what it's like to start off in a small church, 
probably didn't have a lot of resources mm-hmm. trying to grow. I mean, it's just like a business, right? You're trying to think about the future and growth. Right. How did you and the team go about doing that? Well, I, th- I think the, the key for us, for me, was just trying to be consistent with what you wanted to do and pursue what the Lord had called me to do, was to, was to preach and to care for people, to shepherd people. But also through the years to have people that would get on the proverbial bus and get in the right seats and help us navigate the times and the issues that we faced. Uh, I've, I've, I've been blessed to be, I've been surrounded by wonderful people. I mean, great people through the years. And, uh, my people always, they'll say, how's it going? And my standard response is battles and blessings because we live in a world that's not perfect, but I can say in God's kindness, the blessings have far, far, far exceeded the, the battles. So uh, I think it's getting the right people with the right vision, the right concern, the right purpose, and, and you go forward. And I think that I think that most people learn. You learn the most from the battles. Mm-hmm. Can you think of in those early days of um, a, a hardship that you went through with the church and what you learned and maybe how you came out on the other side? Because um, as entrepreneurs in those startup phases like you were, right. I mean, that is where we learn the most and we make those adjustments. So is there something you can share? Yeah, the, the hardship, Leslie, would be uh, – uh, a, a younger man trying to communicate with older people and and not not there was no deficit on their part at all it's just that that I, I was young and so when i got to the church there was no nursery there there, there were no kids and there was uh 120 people maybe if everybody came in their and their best friend but i mean <laughs> uh, i think the issue was uh trying to understand and communicate with men who were older and and, and much wiser and have them understand me. Because when I got there after a few months, we had an influx of young people, especially from the medical university. And uh, but they were very gracious. They were very accepting. Um, but but part of it is just, is just getting up and doing what you need to do every day. Yeah. Well, we're excited next week when you come back to talk about certainly what's happened in the evolution of East okay. Cooper Baptist Church. Uh, obviously, um, again, it's like you're running a major business, and, and leadership is – uh, applicable all across the board. But in our time remaining today, I want to switch gears a little bit in, in light of the fact that we're a couple of days away from Christmas and give you the opportunity to really talk about what does the, the moment of Christmas and the season mean to you and what message would you want those that are listening to the show this morning to resonate with? Thank you for asking me that. I, I think, Eric, the, the, the issue for, that we would I want to communicate for Christmas is that Christmas is about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, uh, of God in the flesh, that we believe historically with the rest of the church that in in the fullness of time, the eternal God became a man, and his name was Jesus. And he fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, it says in Galatians 4. And, and he lived a perfect, sinless life. He was a good teacher. He was a miracle worker. He was a rabbi. He was a man of courage, but he was primarily God in the flesh who came to die on the cross for our sins. So in Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, There's an old hymn by a guy named Charles Wesley that says, come thou long expected Jesus, come to set thy people free. So that's what he did on the cross and by the resurrection. So, So Christmas is a message of the eternal God becoming a man and in humility identifying with sinful man 
and loving them so much they lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins and rose victorious over death and ascended to heaven. But but, but Christmas is also, uh, I, one thing I love about Christmas is that uh, it's a statement that that, that uh, the physical world is important and it's beautiful. I mean, God became a man. And so it's an amazing thought that the eternal creator of the universe took on a, a body of flesh and blood and he he embraced people that had leprosy, and he loved a woman at the well who had five husbands and was living with a guy and was even rejected by the Samaritans. So she was rejected by the rejects. I mean, that's the type of, of, of man he was. So the message of Christmas is there is hope and there is forgiveness and there is joy. So Merry Christmas. It's a good message. And um, one of the things that I always talk about with my wife is just sort of how commercialized right? the holidays have become and uh, give your thoughts sort of on where we've landed with the holiday of Christmas as a society today. Well, I love gifts. And I, I, I love, <laughs> That's awesome. Everybody's listening yes. to Pastor Brown. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. I, love gifts. I love gifts. And I love I love all the parties. And uh, I, I love the, the, the music. And uh, I even like All Only for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey that I've heard 5,000 times in the last two weeks. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think that it's easy for – the commercialization and the and the pace to crowd it out. But I, I think we have to make a conscious decision to say, you know, we're going to enjoy the season and we're going to enjoy the bowl games and we're going to enjoy the food, but we're not going to let that crowd out the message. And I think that's something you have to discipline yourself. It's like I read that day that people gained seven pounds at Christmas. Yes, that's over amazing. the holidays. Like it, over the holiday season, it's wow. seven pounds. Yeah. I think that they I think that they're considering from Thanksgiving to yeah. New Year's, yeah. Still, seven, seven pounds, pounds the well, average Sometimes I think American. I could do that in one day, but that's beside yes. the point. Yes. I think you just have to, 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 even in that area, you have to dismiss yourself to not yes. let me go there. So I, I, I don't, I'm not a killjoy. I, I love Christmas. I love and, that. Uh, yeah. I feel less guilty just yeah. hearing that you yeah. feel there is room for yeah. both. Yeah, for, well, absolutely. For, for absolutely. everything. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of opportunity, if somebody would like to come visit East Cooper for Christmas Eve services, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, the services are at 4 and 5.30 on Christmas Eve. It's a uh, uh, family-friendly service where we just uh, celebrate the good news of the gospel. And great Christ. music. Good music. Yeah, great music. So, yeah. Absolutely uh, encourage anyone can make that. Uh, Pastor Buster Brown, thank you for thank sharing you. Uh, the story this morning. Looking forward to having you back. Before the year ends next week yeah. to hear a lot more about how East Cooper has come about today and how you've led that charge. Uh, okay. Leslie? Oh, I'm excited. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Again, thank you for t- uh, staying tuned this morning to Beyond the Business Heard here on 94.3 WSC. In case you missed any of our previous shows, simply go to our website at Coastal WM and you can click on Radio Podcast and check them out there. Any other thoughts? No. Oh, check us out on our Facebook page at Beyond the Business. But other than that, Low Country, have a Merry Christmas. And until next week, thanks for listening and have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 7:30 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC.